Hey folks, Brian Cook, your host here. Today's episode is brought to you by Kensington Books, and they've got a great book to tell you about One Kiss More. U.S. Marshals are determined to do what it takes to protect and serve. One Kiss More by Mandy Baxter teams a super sexy marshal up with the wily, willful daughter of the man he put in jail, resulting in a hot suspense story that will appeal to the fans of TV shows like In Plain Sight and Justified. One Kiss More is available wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include March 15th at the Virgil and March 21st at Union Hall in Brooklyn, which is where today's show was recorded back on December 28th, 2014. This is round one, featuring Shane Torres, Emmy Blotnick, Eli Uden, and Carmen Lynch reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. Here we go for your first round one competitor who's brought a prepared piece this evening, Mr. Eli Uden. You can do better than that for Eli Uden. Hey everybody. Hey Brian. How's it going? Uh, So for my pre-prepared piece of erotica, uh, I chose a show. As soon as I was on this, I thought, you know what I gotta do? I gotta do a little show called Franklin and Bash. Now, I have never seen Franklin and Bash, and I assume most of you haven't, but I have seen the commercials, so I figured I could read a Wikipedia entry. I'll give you a summary. If you don't know it, it's, uh, it's two lawyers who are lawyers, but they're also... Chill. That's it. That's you've seen it. If you saw Suits, you've also seen Franklin and Bash. It's there are three of those shows on at any time. So that's all you need to know is they're cool lawyers. You know, if you want your lawyer to be like cool and you're not really concerned with him being like good at legal anything, that's sort of who they are. It's Brecken Meyer and Mark Paul Gosseler. So when you think intellectual, those are the guys. So I present to you Franklin and Gash. <laughs> The courtroom is silent. The jury fidgets, clearly irritated, as does the sexy lady judge. (laughs) Your counsel is 30 minutes late. Five more minutes and this case will be dismissed. We see the plaintiff, German-Italian businessman Otto Fellagio. (laughs) I'm sorry, Your Honor. They should be here. The sexy lady judge sighs. Who are your counsel anyways? This sort of unprofessionalism is ridiculous. Otto sighs and looks back towards the door. I'm represented by, suddenly, the courtroom doors fly open. The two lawyers entering simultaneously shout, Franklin and Bash! (laughs) This is where I was going to play the Franklin and Bash theme song, but apparently you can still get into trouble with royalties even if no one's ever heard the song. (laughs) So I had to cut it out. It's called Mixture, and it's by Pete. Just the name Pete. You guys want to look it up later. Uh, As they enter the courtroom, Franklin and Bash shed the paintballing equipment they were wearing. (laughs) You're 30 minutes late, counsel, scolds the sexy lady judge, but she's not too mad, since it's just Franklin and Bash. (laughs) Franklin whispers to Bash, look at this bitchy little barracuda. I've got movement in the lumberyard. That's a line from the pilot. I... (laughs) 
Watched it today, and that's a real line on the show. Sorry, Your Honor, we blew a tire going off-roading on our way to the courthouse, offers Bash. We're lawyers, but we drive a Jeep Wrangler, says Franklin, and winks at the lady judge. You can tell that the lady judge is irritated, but also wet. Since it's just Franklin and Bash, I'll allow it. Thanks, beautiful, offers Franklin and winks at her. Usually this would be borderline harassment, but you know, it's just Franklin and Bash. Now let's get this case on track. This case covers our plaintiff, Mr. Fellatio, suing the defendant, plastic surgeon Larry Gorgonzola, for making his wife's breasts way too big. Breast too big? I didn't know that was a thing, says Franklin. That's because it isn't, shoots back Bash. Guys, those jokes are arguing directly against my case, <laughs> pleads Mr. Fellatio. Bash responds while Franklin winks at him. Just because we're lawyers doesn't mean we don't like to have a good time. That's for sure, says the sexy lady judge, opening her robe a little bit to show off her good-ass titties. (laughs) What kind of legal proceeding is this, asks the defense lawyer. Franklin shoots him with a t-shirt gun, (laughs) knocking him unconscious, and winks. The plaintiff unrolls the t-shirt to reveal a large graphic of Franklin winking. He turns it around and on the back is a large graphic of Bash's face. I don't know either of their first names, so they're not in here. With a speech bubble that says, lawyers can have fun too. Everyone in the courtroom laughs. Let's see exhibit A, yells Bash while doing devil sticks in the middle of the courtroom. Out walks Otto's wife with her new fake titties in lingerie and heels. I'm a lesbian, says the lady judge. Very cool, says Franklin, winking so hard his eye starts bleeding. Your Honor, how are we supposed to know if the titties are truly too big? Without touching them, asks Bash. I see your point, says the lady judge, sexily. She stands up with a sound like an octopus being wrestled out of a fish tank. Miss Victoria Palacio, please allow the jury to review the evidence. Okay, says Mrs. Palacio. This is one of her two lines. She removes her bra. Her boobs don't even sag or anything. Bash high-fives the plastic surgeon. She walks over to the jury box and they begin to massage her breasts. And let me tell you, they aren't into it. If this was a movie starring Henry Fonda, it would be called 12 Horny Men. Seeing this, the judge walks out of her judge box. I didn't do a lot of research. And starts Frenching Mrs. Fellatio. Now this is what I call a legal system, says Franklin to Bash, and they high-five, but it turns into tender hand-holding. Oh no, exclaims Dr. Gorgonzola, pointing to the jury box. The jury had gotten so horny from the lesbo-frenching that they had all died. It was just a box full of corpses with boners. The judge suddenly stops frenching that other lady. Well, we can't have a trial with no jury, she says, pointing and nodding towards her judge manual. (laughs) Franklin and Bash look at each other. But we can have, says Franklin, an orgy, finishes Bash. They both rip off their shirts. Their nipples are super pierced. What, you thought just because we were lawyers, we didn't know how to have fun, asks Bash. An orgy, asks the sexy judge, while fucking Mrs. Fellatio with her gavel. 
But I'm not attracted to men. Like I said, I'm a lesbian. You're bisexual now, says Franklin. Okay, says the lady judge, and beckons them over. Franklin and Bash hold hands and walk towards the two. They stop and face each other. This is why we started a law firm, whispers whispers Bash to Franklin. Let's show these girls that lawyers can still have a little fun, whispers back Bash. That's most of his dialogue. Uh, They unzip each other's pants and take out each other's cocks. They're both big. Nice, says the sexy lady judge. On the head of Franklin's cock is a tattoo of Bash's face. And on the head of Bash's cock is a tattoo of a lizard riding an ATV. (laughs) Bailiff, if you please, calls the sexy lady judge, and the bailiff approaches. He pulls out condoms from his shirt pocket and puts them onto Franklin and Bash's erect cocks, which are eerily similar in shape. Perhaps the reason they became friends in the first place. (laughs) Are you ready for your cross-examination? asks Franklin. We can both kickflip, adds Bash. And then they dive in. Franklin starts fucking the judge while she's hanging off the American flag. Wait, she says, with ragged breaths, and hands him her gavel. She twists the bottom and it starts vibrating. And you thought lawyers didn't know how to party, says Franklin, and starts rubbing her clit with the vibrating gavel while fucking her. I wrote this on a train sitting across from a grandfather and his grandson playing Go Fish. Continue. Bash, Bash has Mrs. Fellatio bent over the jury box where she's Frenching the hottest dead juror. But right as he's about to enter her, he hears a voice from behind him. You think you're going to fuck my wife without my help? Yells Otto. I didn't pass the bar to do single penetration, yells back Bash. Everyone laughs. The judge laughs and also comes. Bash and Mr. Fellatio start DPing his wife while she reads the Constitution off the wall, one word with every thrust. Bash has a lot of friendship bracelets on, she notices. She thinks that's pretty laid back. (laughs) Meanwhile, Franklin is still fucking the judge, but is also watching BMX videos on his phone. Why are you watching BMX videos? Do I not please you? The judge asks. No, I just fucking love BMX, whispers Franklin. Suddenly, the court doors fly open. In walks Kumail Nanjiani. I'm on this show, says Kumail. You play our severely agoraphobic, our severely agoraphobic lawyer. True. Yells Bash. Yup, says Kumail, and then leaves. Everyone keeps fucking. Are you going to come soon, asks the judge. We've both come a bunch of times already, so it's okay if you guys want to come, she says, looking at Mr. Mrs. Fellatio, who nods. Franklin and Bash look at each other and laugh. We only come one way. You ready, bro? Ready when you are. Franklin and Bash retrieve themselves from within the women and walk towards each other, stripping off the condoms. Bash grabs the Bible off the witness stand and places it between the two of them. They place their hands over one another. They recite in unison. I do solemnly swear to devote my life to not only the pursuit of the law, but also to the pursuit of being chill. I swear to write all my opening statements in a hot tub and to go to Outback Steakhouse every Thursday for ladies night. But most of all, I swear to always be Franklin, says Franklin, and Bash, says Bash. Without breaking eye contact, they both come hands-free all over their hands and the Bible. Do you want to go skydiving? Bash sheepishly asks Franklin. Always, bro, responds Bash. 
They would probably kiss here, but they don't because they're saving it for their deathbed. <laughs> which is also a bunk bed. <laughs> the courtroom doors fly open again, and Stanton Infeld enters. It's me, Stanton Infeld, he yells. A senior partner in the prominent law firm Infeld Daniels. I hired you after witnessing your unconventional techniques in court due to your resemblance to my and my partner back in our early days of our law firm. I went on Wikipedia for this. Anyways, we've got another case. Still nude, Franklin and Bash run out to the front of the courthouse and climb onto their custom-made tandem BMX bike. The judge turns to Victoria Fellatio. You know, at one point in my life, I wanted to be a famous musician. I wrote so many songs. But I guess at some point it started to seem childish. And a judge is still a prestigious job. But I just wonder if I ever could have made it. Mrs. Fellatio thinks for a moment and responds, We all have uncertainties in life. But if you spend too much time wondering where other paths could have led you, you'll never appreciate the scenery of your own. The judge smiles slightly, and this erotic fanfiction officially passes the Bechdel test. Franklin awakes to Bash shaking him. What's going on, he says, rolling over in their queen-size race car bed. You were having some sort of crazy dream, says Bash, removing a cattail from Franklin's eye. I don't know what it was about, but you've been coming like crazy for like 20 minutes. Franklin looks sheepishly down at the wet sheets. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. No worries, buddy, chuckles Bash, but you better get dressed. We've got that plastic surgeon case in an hour, and I hear the judge is smoking hot. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much. Eli Unin. How's it going, buddy? Keep it going for Emmy Blotnick. Our death count is at 13, if anyone's keeping track. We're at 13. Death count so far, 13. I might not add much to the death count, but... There's a lot of fucking in this one. <laughs> okay. Um, I had this lofty idea to try to do Sex in the City erotic fan fiction where it would just be the four women doing, like, hardcore community service the whole time. <laughs> just, like, sorting canned goods. Because, <laughs> like, what's sexier than not being a self-absorbed city witch? <laughs> uh, but I settled on a different theme. Did you say city witch? City witch. Yeah. Uh, four city witches. All right. Uh, so all a different theme. So here we go. This is a story about the uh, the mascots from Geico. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Everyone sat in the conference room waiting nervously. The talking gecko, the talking pig, the stack of money with eyes, <laughs> the, the caveman, and a bunch of intentionally forgettable white actors. <laughs> Do you think we're all getting fired? Asked the gecko. <laughs> Finally, the CEO of the company arrived. He said, I called you all in here today because I want you to meet the newest Geico mascot. Allow me to introduce the talking butt plug. <laughs> he patted his pockets but could not find the butt plug. Oh, silly me, he said, brandishing it from his ass. <laughs> Boo, said the butt plug. <laughs> nice to meet you all. <laughs> The mascots looked angry and confused. The pig piped up, what does he have to do with car insurance? The CEO replied, first of all, it's a she. 
And second, what do any of you have to do with car insurance? He said, look, if our focus groups have indicated anything, it's that anal's gone mainstream. How completely vulgar, said the gecko. I simply must try it. Just then, for no explainable reason, the wallflower song One Headlight started blasting. <laughs> and the butt plug and the gecko started butt-fucking in the middle of the conference room table. It was not the gecko's first time. <laughs> Nobody knew what to do. One of the forgettable white actors feebly tried to make conversation. Did, did, did you know that you can save 15% or more? And... <laughs> Yes, we all know that, said the room. Well, well, did you know I can fit my entire fist up my ass? He dropped his trousers and clenched his fist. And that fact turned out to not only be true, but also funnier than any of the shitty dad jokes dreamt up by those corny advertising losers in Richmond, Virginia, who wish they were comedians. said the butt plug to the man and soon the butt plug was doing what she does best butt fucking <laughs> while the man grabbed the gecko located his tiny scaly gecko boner and started giving him a sloppy blowjob this was corporate bestiality at its very weirdest <laughs> unsurprisingly started furiously jerking off sending coarse coconut like brown hairs flying everywhere the talking pig couldn't resist either he stared at his colleagues and possessed he said butts and plugs and butts and plugs and butts and plugs the pig jumped onto the caveman and began fucking him reverse cowgirl if you can still call it that then the CEO started blowing the pig just like he'd always dreamt of. It was 15 minutes and more. Amid all the action, the door flew open. Oh, I must be lost, said Flo the progressive lady. The butt plug came up for air to say, Get in here, you lumpy bitch. And she did, hiking up her weird hospital dress. Before long, there was cheap red lipstick all over the caveman's hairy asshole. The stack of money with eyes looked on, understandably baffled as to how he fit into the equation. At last, he climbed up on a bookshelf, snapped off his rubber band, and made it rain all over the orgy as everyone came on Flo's dress. A brief epilogue here. They all got AIDS and ironically had no health insurance. <laughs> the end. Abby Blondek. Technically adding to the death count. Keep it going for Shane Torres, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Not much. Ugh. Bill Cosby. Uh, I'm just kidding. I thought I was going to make it racist, so I didn't touch it. Uh, S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders. <laughs> Who wanted to hear Bill Cosby, actually? That, no? Mm, he's fine. <laughs> Fuck him. Um... The movie, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, not the book, and not the television series starring David Arquette. <laughs> and certainly not the stage adaptation where everyone is a little fatter than the mental image you had when you read the book. 
Who would have thought such a mediocre piece of literature would spawn so many adaptations? <laughs> when I walked out of the movie house, I had only two things on my mind. A ride home and some hard-throbbing cock. My name is Ponyboy Curtis, played by C. Thomas Howe. He was famous once. And I live with my two older brothers, Derry, played by the late, great Patrick Swayze, and Soda Pop, played by Rob Lowe. My older brother has custody of us because we are tr- white trash and we are super poor and our parents are dead. <laughs> we had just finished the big rubble with the rich kids' socias... Rumble, not rubble, sorry. Uh, with the rich kids' socias at the empty lot. We tore their asses up worse than if you had nothing but black coffee and sriracha for a week. <laughs> All of us greasers were there. Dallas Winston, played by Matt Dillon, who can't act for a shit. <laughs> While two bit Matthews, played by Emilio Estevez, that's right, the Mighty Duck Man, drink a beer. Johnny Cade, played by Ralph Macchio, he was the karate kid that was replaced by Hilary Swank. And Steve Randall, played by Tom Cruise, he's the one with a career. Uh, I'm serious, seriously, this movie cursed all but two of us. After a while, my oldest brother, Derry Patrick Swayze, told everyone to get up. Come on, Derry, just let him stay a little while longer. It's been a great night, I begged. All right, just for a little bit. The guy from the state is supposed to come by tomorrow morning and check on us. Sure enough, the evening went on for hours and the liquor flowed like it does when people tend to celebrate a white gang fight. (laughs) I saw Ralph Macchio taking some pills. Johnny. What's that, I asked. This is MDMA. The doctor prescribed it for my bipolar disorder and mania. But the only reason I take it is so so I can feel love. (laughs) Plus, it gets you super fucked up. Can I try some? Sure. Before you knew it, we were all taking the pills. Everyone was drunk and, and high, and I wrapped my arm around Johnny, Ralph Macchio, looked into his eyes, and there was a gentleness there I had not seen before from him. More of a signal, if you will. Do it. Do it, he whispered. I want you to fuck my butt fruit. I looked at the floor and then around the room, and the pills have clearly started taking their effect on everyone. Dallas, Matt Dillon, Soda Pop, Rob Lowe, and 2-Bit, Emilio Estevez. It's funnier if you imagine the people. Uh, We're in a massage triangle weirder than a homeschooled kid's letter to Santa. And Derry Patrick Swayze was running his finger through Steve's hair, Tom Cruise, harder and faster than Rush Limbaugh runs through an all-you-can-eat buffet. So... So I dropped to my knees and began to flake Johnny so far, so fast and hard his ears began to pop like his dick plane was allowed about to land in my mouth hanger. <laughs> I saw his eyes roll back in his head and I stopped just before he popped. Not yet. I turned and he plunged into me. I moaned so loud and high-pitched neighborhood dogs started barking. I looked up to see what, what other horrors began to materialize in my living room. When I looked up, I knew we were going to have... I knew we were going to have to repaint the living living room to get the smell out. Uh, It's art. Um, (laughs) Derry's face was so far into Steve's ass, it was hard to tell where one started and the other began. All of a sudden, I heard, Flying V! And I heard bellow through the living room. The massage triangle of Soda Pop, Dallas, 2-Bit, and all the other people had turned into a human centipede. We were spilling in and out of each other and trading partners like we were baseball cards. As I began to climax, my my toes curled so tightly they scratched our hardwood floors. Johnny and I collapsed onto the floor into a wet, smelly, stinky mess. The others were not far behind. The next morning, I woke up to the sound of a knock at the door. 
Yeah, you kind of like put it out in front and then it comes back around. Uh, I wiped my eyes and looked around the room. I looked around the room and it made it look like a bathhouse. Ah, fuck it. That line sucks anyways. Uh, The knock again. It was the man from the state. He walked in the door and looked around. Hello, I'm Dr. Cosby. I can't do Cosby. Uh, (laughs) Hello, I'm Dr. Cosby. I'm required as a part of immersion therapy sentencing to look in and check on you boys. Dr. Cosby trailed off. Dr. Cosby looked around the room to see something that was so disgusting to even him. Jesus Christ stood on top of a mountain with a broken crush and wept for boys like you. I'm calling the state. You two will be hauled into custody, custody till the day you turn 18. Because Bill Cosby is such a prick, he would stop and judge people even though he's having these accusations lobbied against him. As the van pulled in to take me away to the boys' home, I knew I would have many sexual escapades there. Johnny hugged me and whispered into my ear, Stay gold, pony boy. Stay gold. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Shay Torres. Here we go for your final round one competitor, Carmen Lynch. You can do better than that for Carmen Lynch. It's more like it. Thank you. I did this show 24. Wow. It's okay. Wow, someone got really excited. Just a show. All right. All right, here we go. The following takes place between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Oh, Jack. Oh, Jack. Jack Bauer was making love to some redhead whose name he'd already forgotten. But he didn't care. She was cute. And he just found a bomb in her labia. That's right. A terrorist was planting bombs inside of a bunch of drunk women's lady parts while they had blacked out. And it was Jack Bauer's responsibility to his country and to the President of the United States to stop these vaginas from exploding. It was Jack Bauer's favorite mission ever. (laughs) Jack rammed his cock back into the redhead's now bomb-free love triangle. (laughs) Then his phone rang. It was Chloe. Jack, we've been advised of some more bomb activity. Be right there, Chloe. And he hung up. Oh, Jack, said the redhead. Please don't leave. Can we play that terrorist game just once, please? Jack complied. He choked her hard until he could see her molars covered in old silver fillings, and he yelled, Who do you work for? (laughs) And the redhead, barely breathing, said, Ahmed Barahashia Mohammed Kumali Shapura. And Jack said, Don't lie to me, you little bitch. He died at the Ukrainian suicide bombing in 2009. And he punched her in the face till her nose bled, and they made sweet love one last time. And then Chloe called again. Jack, did you find the bomb in the redhead? I sure did. Great, Jack. We verified there are 12 bombs out there. You've located 10. You have two left. Chloe, that's not entirely correct, Jack said in his raspy, sexy, whispery voice. Because he's always out of breath because he works so hard. (laughs) One of these women had two bombs in her snatch. One was just jammed way up high, and I only discovered it when I fucked her right after removing the first bomb. You know, I have to fuck them, Chloe. These women with bombs are upset. They think they're going to die. And I, Jack Bauer, I'm standing right there. These women want to fuck me. They want me to go down on them after I remove the bomb. Jack, I get it, said Chloe. (laughs) Jealous and horny. Anyway, Jack confirmed. I felt something tapping against the tip of my penis. I thought it was her diaphragm. 
Jack, Chloe interrupted. TMI, I really don't need to know any of this. Chloe, this is business. Go on, Chloe said, wishing she carried a bomb too. (laughs) It wasn't her diaphragm. Diaphragms don't tick. That's when I discovered the second bomb. Sometimes there are two bombs in a bush. Great, Jack. So anyway, our sources at CTU, the counterterrorist unit where they work, tell them, tell us that one remaining bomb is left and you have to locate it. It's huge, apparently, and it's in the genitalia of a very famous Hollywood actress. Damn it, Jack said. What is it, said Chloe. Nothing, I just, I have to take a shit. (laughs) God, Jack. Now I get what my diehard fans are talking about when they say, this show is 24 hours. When does Jack ever use the bathroom? (laughs) Jack, your timing sucks. Can you hold it? Jack thought about it. He liked having something trapped in his anal cavity. He had experienced a lot of that while being detained in the Chinese prison. He got so used to the rectal abuse there that, well, it kept him from feeling lonely. Those Chinese guards really know what they're doing. Just thinking about him gave him a semi-erection. Jack, hello, hello, said Chloe. Chloe, I'm sorry. Where am I going? What are the coordinates of my next punani? East LA, Jack. Apparently this last bomb is nuclear. It could blow the entire West Coast right off the map. Damn, Jack said. That's a big bomb. Big bomb, big pussy. (laughs) Chloe agreed. Yes, Jack, we are looking for a big beaver. If she can keep that inside of her body, she's probably had a few kids. Jack immediately hoped the bomb was inside of Angelina Jolie. (laughs) Diffusing that bomb would be a dream come true. It would be the peak of his career. He would retire after that. His erection was returning. But it's as if Chloe had read his mind. Jack, it's not Angelina Jolie. He became limp immediately. How do you know? We just got word she's in a refugee camp in Tanzania. Damn it. I mean, good for her. (laughs) Jack, we're also getting word from CTU that it's not Jennifer Aniston, Halle Berry, or Sandra Bullock. Damn it. Jack replied, Chloe, I have to call you back. What's up, Jack? What could possibly be more important than diffusing this bomb? I really have to take that shit. (laughs) Jack tried his best to hold it in, but it was just, he just had to go. So from 3.37 a.m. to 3.53 a.m., Fox just aired Jack on the toilet. For 16 whole minutes, checking his Instagram. Jack loved Instagram. He only followed strippers. Well, and his daughter, Kim. Because he had to. Jack found a wide castle nearby, and that's where the glory happened. And when he walked out of the place eating chicken, he saw Chloe standing right there. Jack, come on, this is serious. I was hungry. I never get to eat on this fucking show. It's 24 hours of me running around like an idiot. I haven't eaten anything but cooter in the last 23 hours. He licked the chicken off his fingers. They still taste like the redhead. He noticed he was walking around with a giant heart on. Chloe, just give me the location of Jennifer Lawrence. Jack, I can't do that. We have no evidence that there's a bomb inside her hoo-ha. Scarlett Johansson? I can't, Jack. You can't just walk into your favorite celebrity's home and tell her to spread her legs. Watch me, I'm Jack Bauer. (laughs) Suddenly, Chloe and Jack got word from CTU. The remaining bomb holder was a blonde. Jack and Chloe got an address and stormed into this famous blonde actress's mansion. Jack breaks down the door, and a skinny blonde is standing there, eating what looks like a gluten-free kale scone. (laughs) 
Ugh, Jack said. Who are you? I'm Renee Zellweger. Sorry, I didn't recognize you. I need you to spread your legs immediately. Why? You're gonna have to trust me. A few minutes later, after some really loud groaning from Renee, Jack finds nothing in her cave of wonder. Nothing but what he likes to call pure delight. But still, no bomb. Jack wipes his face and his pecker and pulls his pants up and his phone rings. It was the President of the United States. Jack, this is President Obama. How's it going down there? Oh, you have no idea, Mr. President. I'm pretty sure I do, Jack, said President Obama. But I was talking about L.A. and the bombs. Have you found all 12 vaginas? Jack heard a thump behind him, and when he looked, Chloe was in a headlock by a pretty large and blonde famous actress. Mr. President, I need to go. And Jack hung up. Hello, Jack, said the large blonde woman. Holy shit, Jack said. It was Kathleen Turner. I see you've found my place. Jack had found the right home, just the wrong leading lady. Renee Zellweger had just stopped by Kathleen Turner's house for some gluten-free kale scones. When Jack saw Kathleen Turner, he couldn't help but love her. He fell in love with her back in the 80s, you know, in movies like Romancing the Stone and Peggy Sue Got Married, and even when she played Chandler's dad in Friends. You have something that I need, Jack said. Come and get it, Jack. Kathleen said, I'm going to make this hard for you, Jack. I'm not going anywhere, KT. (laughs) Chloe couldn't tell if they were threatening each other or if they were flirting. (laughs) Kathleen Turner let go of Chloe and said, Would you like to join us? And Chloe said, No, gross, ew. And Kathleen said, Good, I don't like goth girls anyway. (laughs) He looked at her and said, I need to get inside of you ASAP. And Kathleen replied, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) And Jack said, Damn it! Who do you work for? And Kathleen said, Myself. I hate L.A. I'm sick of it. I planted this bomb in my own puss. I like the tick, tick, tick of my clit, clit, clit. That's when Jack realized they both had the same manly voice. Jack slapped Kathleen's Turner, uh, Kathleen Turner's ass so hard she caved. She spread her legs on the kitchen counter and Jack dove deep into the caves of her vagine and miraculously disarmed the bomb at 3.59 a.m. Other things happened after that, but they're too gross to share. <laughs> but I can tell you that Chloe threw up. <laughs> and Kathleen Turner's voice turned back to that of a woman's. Thank you. Carmen Lynch, you can stay right here. Let's get everybody from round one back up. All right. You guys are going to be voting on a winner in just a second. First, I'm just going to remind you of what everybody read. We started with Eli Uden with Franklin and Bash, then Emmy Blotnick with the Geico mascots, Shane Torres with Outsiders, and Carmen Lynch with 24. So pick a favorite with your applause, starting with Eli Uden, Franklin and Bash. <laughs> Emmy Blotnick, Geico mascots. Shane Torres, Outsiders. And Carmen Lynch with 24. Carmen Lynch, your round one champion, ladies and gentlemen. Let her hear it. Big round of applause for all of your round one competitors. Thank you. 
That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 115 next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And for more details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CEFanfic. Hey folks, have you been enjoying this free podcast? Well, you can help competitive erotic fanfiction stay free by completing this short anonymous survey. It'll take no more than five minutes, and your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of the podcast and the listeners like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We promise not to share or sell your email address, and we won't send you email unless you win. Please go to podsurvey.com slash Brian. That's podsurvey.com slash B-R-Y-A-N to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Thanks. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.